Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, So whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking how to avoid and combat crushing medical debt with Dr. Virgie Ellington. So the leading cause of personal bankruptcy is, you guessed it, medical bills. So when a, a singular expense like this is such a blight on our personal finances, you better believe that we're going to spend a minute on how we can not only eliminate medical debt, but just avoid it in the first place. So here are some, some more sobering statistics. An estimated 100 million Americans have amassed nearly 200 billion dollars in medical debt, and nearly one in five adults have medical debt that is currently in collections. This is according to a study by the Journal of the American Medical Association. And that is why we're happy to have Dr. Virgie Bright Ellington joining us today on the pod. She, obviously, by I said doctor, so she's an insider. In <laughs> uh, her book, Crush Medical Debt, it outlines the steps that we need to take to ensure that we're not paying money that we don't owe so we can avoid, you know, becoming one of those statistics I just mentioned earlier. So Dr. Virgie, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. You know what? Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's awesome talking with you. Yeah, no, we're really excited for this conversation because I think a lot of people might say, boring, but Matt just highlighted so no, many reasons, right? Yeah, if it's... you like money, it is not boring. Exactly. And we <laughs> like money and we like keeping money in our pockets. If and you this... want to keep your money. Yes. Exactly. This is a place where we get separated from our money. So it's really important to talk exactly. about. But the first question we have for everybody who comes on the show is Matt and I, we like to splurge uh, a little bit in the here and now on a couple things we enjoy. One of those things is craft beer. Even though I know you're a doctor and and you might say um, it's it's not the ideal choice, right? But that is something we do enjoy in moderation. What is that thing you like to splurge on in the here and now? What do you spend more money on in your personal life while you're also still making wise choices for the future? 
I have to tell you guys, it is sushi. And it's Ooh. one of those things that sneaks up on you, right? With any addiction, you don't realize you're in trouble <laughs> until something happens, right? It's just smacks you in your face. And I am just so thrilled and fortunate that the my favorite sushi place delivers. And I'm just like doing my thing. And then the day after Black Friday, so the day after Thanksgiving one year, my... <laughs> I order my sushi usual thing, and the guy, you know, just really sweet, you know, kind guy, with his usual smile, has in one hand the sushi bag, and then the other hand a big giant bottle of sake. And it hit me. I was like, I spend so much money with these folks. They're just like, they're like, okay, we're going to get in on, you know, giving our best customers a big giant present. Oh. And I, that's when I figured out, you know what, Virgie, you have a problem. <laughs> that sushi thing is We're just, spending mm, too much with these That's guys. a lot of money on sushi. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then quick follow-up. Do you like the, the different rolls that they make, you know, with the different ingredients? Or do you like the super fresh, high-end cut of meat there just on that perfectly <laughs> formed piece of rice? You know what? I really, I, I'm pretty predictable. I really enjoy the salmon, that fresh salmon mm. surrounded by carbs. You know, there's just nothing like pure <laughs> white rice carbs. Just so good. The, it's but so good. also a little bit of extra fat, that mouthfeel with the avocado. So my thing, guys, right. <laughs> when I'm trying to be healthy and be a good girl is the salmon avocado roll. But when I am being a bad girl. I always have to get the shrimp tempura with it. For get dessert. that fry. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can't beat that yeah. crunch. So that's me. They, they Again, these guys have my order down cold. I love it. Yeah. That's so, so that's good. Speaking of that rice, that, those carbs, I've been trying to talk Joel into getting the ni- the high-end rice that they sell at Costco. It's like three times the, the price of the cheaper stuff, but it's so much But when you buy a bag so at Costco, better. it still lasts for like <laughs> five years. So. You're still coming out ahead. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Dr. Virgie, let's, let's kind of dive into talking about medical debt and you know like here on the podcast uh, like I don't think there's much reason for us to talk necessarily about like policy shortcomings and, and how this impacts millions of folks across the country quite intimately every year but given the lack of political will and output and changes we've seen oftentimes it seems that we're just left to advocate for ourselves is, is that your experience and what you've seen working with patients well, so this is the problem guys the issue is is that in the United States, in order to have medical financial literacy, you it, it's just, it's really, really, people feel like it's impossible to have. But in the United States, you have to have medical financial literacy in order to have financial stability, period. Hmm. Because most Americans, even those of us with fabulous insurance, are just one accident or serious illness away from a lifetime of debt or worse. And so people think, well, we don't have any other choice, you know, that we're just stuck with this system and it's an expensive system and it is what it is. No, that's the bad news. The good news is, no, it doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be that way. So, no, we have control over not getting taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. We have control over not becoming victims to predatory billing. We just don't know it. 99.9% of us don't know it. I feel like we've all talked to somebody who says, I avoided going in to seek medical care because I was worried about the financial repercussions of going in to see the doctor or going to the hospital. And so people will avoid 
getting the medical care they need sometimes because they're scared of the financial outcome, which says a lot. And right, I mean that's that's kind of scary stuff. That people won't get what they need. They won't see uh, someone who can help them with their problem because they're worried about how much it's going to cost. You know, you guys are talking about the statistics at the beginning, you know, at the top of the, our, our conversation. And what's really, really sad and heartbreaking and scary is that there's direct relationship between having medical bills, meaning medical debt, meaning it's a bill that you can't pay off in total at the end of the month, and lifespan. Hmm. So people put off, to your point, people put off getting care because they can't afford it, they're afraid of the bill, and something that could have been preventative maybe before the issue started, or mm. like screening type stuff, or something that was small gets really, really huge and is really expensive and or can shorten your life. So it's, it's real. It's, it, there is a lot of statistics that bear this out that the American lifespan actually is shortened by debt. Well, and I mean, the, everybody's heard the phrase that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? And <laughs> if we just would. And I always say, you know, I tell my family this all the time. I say, you know, not a pound of cure, I say worth more than 10 pounds of cure. An ounce of prevention is worth more than 10 pounds of cure. It's just, I can't even begin to tell you that it's, it's, it's a big deal. And, you know, the student debt, I saw you guys are talking about that the other week. The student debt or student loan pause is ending, you know, at the end of this month. So, basically all of the payments are now due again as of October 1st. There's a study that came out last week that showed those folks with student debt have lower health outcomes and higher, essentially, medical, uh, more medical problems and actually end up having more medical bills because they're cutting back on other things Mm -hmm. trying to make those student debt payments. So there's a direct relationship between debt and destroyed families, destroyed lives, and financial futures. Sure. And foregoing some of that care, that would be the classic example of being cheap versus frugal, which right. we talk, <laughs> talk yeah, about often here on the show. Yeah, fashion term, penny wise, pound foolish. <laughs> sure, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Okay, so what you kind of, I mean, you launched into your book, right, like right out of the gate, you kind of give some different case studies. And you gave one where you were documenting, basically signing an agreement for these services before there was a any services being provided. Like, so, so how common is this tactic? And you know, is there a, a chance that if you are faced with one of those and it feels like you're being pressured to pay that, is there a chance that you would potentially not receive care? You know, were you oh, to actually refuse signing one of those? Question. How does that work? You know what, and I, and I laugh, I always say this, I laugh so I don't cry. <laughs> and that's how I got into this work, really, literally, was I had been a internal medicine physician for God knows how many years, and I was a health insurance executive, which gave me a complete 360 degree total view of the U.S. healthcare system and how it works, or so I thought, until I became a patient and met Mia, my hospital roommate, who told me she had been tricked into signing a bill, or agreement, I should say, to pay a bill that I was pretty sure she didn't owe, but I was definitely sure it was putting her and her family into a lifetime of debt. The thing is, is that in an emergency situation, when you go into an emergency room, no, you don't have to agree, you don't have to sign anything. The care has to be provided to you until you are stabilized. Once you're stabilized, they can ship you out to someplace else that gives charity care or free care, that kind of thing. 
my point to her was when I was talking with her, she was telling me the story about the last time she had been in the hospital the year prior. And it was for the same thing. She was being worked up. Something happened. And they were concerned doing these tests on her and kept her for a week doing all these tests because they were concerned that she was having a, a rare reaction of, you know, rare something. And she was telling me that she was really concerned about what this is going to cost, this current hospitalization, because, and she told me the story about, yeah, when this happened to me a year ago, one of the hospital representatives came in and said, hey, before you can leave, you need to sign this. And she explained, well, I had insurance. I don't know what they were asking me to sign. And guys, as she was telling me the story, I realized, oh my gosh, they tricked her into believing that she had to sign to agree to be balance billed. And what that means is that if you have insurance, if your provider, a hospital in this case, is in network with your insurance, it means they accept your insurance, they have to take whatever the insurance pays them for the services that they provide. Hmm. So let's say that the usual care for a service or a service, the price for a service that they offer is $100. But the insurance company says, well, if you want to be in network with us and have access to our millions, hundreds of thousands to millions of patients, then you know, you're know you going to have to accept this as payment in full. And we only pay like $10 for this service. So that is a contract with between the provider with the insurance company, saying what they're going to take for their members for this particular insurance company as payment in full. Balance billing is going back and saying, hey, yeah, you know that services we provided for you, your insurance only paid $10, we charge 100, so you owe us $90. <laughs> They're breaking that that agreement, right, with the insurance company. That is essentially contract fraud. And because the person who is agreed, the the, the party that's been affected negatively didn't sign a contract with them, the patients don't know that, hey, this is balance billing. This is is essentially contract fraud between the insurance company and the provider. Talk to, talk to me about also just medical billing errors. And there's, I think you, you said in your book that estimates are that 90% of medical bills contain errors. So balance billing is an issue, but so is that. And so if, if we have insurance, are they finding and pushing back against the, the errant bills that we're getting? And, <laughs> and how can we find them and contest them if the insurance company isn't doing it for us? Well, the insurance company isn't going to know that you're being balance billed. Think about it. That's why the providers are so ubiquitous and feel comfortable doing it. Because how is the insurance company going to know that their their provider, that their network with balance billed the patient, right? They're never going to know. The insurance company isn't going to see the bill that the provider sent you. That's why it's so it's such a ubiquitous problem. Yes, to answer your question, there are studies that say minimum 80%, but up to 90% of all medical bills generated in the United States have errors. And if you can imagine, guys, they're not going to be in the favor of the patient, right? They're going to be in the favor sure. of the provider and or the insurance company if you have insurance. So, yes, it's a real thing. But this is a caveat. I say, and in my experience, what I've seen is that these quote-unquote mistakes aren't really mistakes. I'm being generous by calling (laughs) them mistakes, and one of the top five mistakes I talk about is balance billing. 
So the balance billing we just discussed is one of the top five reasons that 80 to 90% of us have been overcharged with our medical care. So it's not an oops, it's intentional. Yeah. So let's say that we call you on it. You know, we get this bill. Hey, you owe us $90 for that service that we charge $100 for, but your insurance only pays 10. If I call them up and say, hey, um, I'm look- I got this bill from you guys and I'm looking at this and it says that you're in network with my provider and I call, I mean, with my insurance company rather. I call my insurance company and they say, yes, you are in network with them. By definition, in network means that you'll take whatever they pay as payment in full for the services that you, that they cover. Okay, so where is this $90 coming from? This is, I don't understand. And they'll say, oh, gosh, you know what, our mistake. Just disregard that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize how big of an issue that was, balance billing. But in your book, you talk about some of the other common errors, and we're going to discuss some of the ways that we can discover those errors, and we will, we will get to all of that right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. (laughs) 
All right, we're back from the break. We're still talking about crushing medical debt, how to avoid it with Dr. Virgie Ellington. And Dr. Virgie, we're, we're talking about the bill you receive. Sometimes it's a balance bill that you should have never received in the first place. And so the way to combat that is to call and be like, hey, <laughs> call them out on their fake oops, right? But yes. uh, let's talk about some other stuff too. Like when, when we get a bill, that, that we do owe, that the insurance doesn't fully cover. Well, one, how do we know that it, it is something that isn't fully taken care of by the insurance company that we do actually owe? And then how do we get to the bottom of, like you talk about medical billing codes, and it feels like it's this completely new language that we have to learn if we want to learn how to, to fight back against medical bills uh, in general. Like, how can we know what that system entails and learn how to fight back against it? Yeah, so the way to figure this all out and to not have to think, oh my gosh, what do I do now? What do I do? What, what what do I do? And not get overwhelmed is just understand there's only one right way to pay any medical bill. And it involves three simple steps. Step one, the key is CPT codes. CPT codes are to medical services what barcodes are to products in a retail store. So every medical service you can think of getting in the United States has its own unique CPT code. So every test, every operation, procedure, outpatient, doctor visit, anything you can think of has its own unique CPT codes. And that is the currency that is saying, okay, this is the service that was provided. This is the common language between providers and payers. So if you want to make sure that you're not getting overcharged, get the CPT codes, meaning call the provider and ask for a real bill with quote unquote CPT codes. And that's, is that typically known as the itemized bill as well? So that's, a, the language is played with. It's a game. So an itemized bill, they'll say, yeah, sure, I'll send you an item. We'll send you an itemized bill. And it'll have all kinds of details of the things that they, they're charging you for, the services you received, but they don't have any CPT codes assigned to them. CPT codes are usually, about, are usually five digits. And at the top of every bill, if you scan it, and it doesn't have something at the top that says CPT or CPT slash HCPCS, HCPCS, which is a subtype of CPT code, then it's not a real bill. There is no insurance organization company in the country, period, that will accept a bill that doesn't have CPT codes. Why do providers send insurance companies different bills mm -hmm. than they send patients? 99. I'd say nine times out of 10. There are some hospitals that will send a real bill the first time without having to call back and re uh, request one. But if you call up and say, I need an itemized bill, They'll say, yeah, sure. And it makes them very happy. They'll send you a very long list of something that even says they'll have codes at the top or service codes at the top. And it means nothing, guys. It's language that's internal to that organization or to that medical system. It is not a CPT code that is the common language that the providers and payers in the United States speak for paying for medical care. Okay, so once we have those CPT codes, for a lot of people, it's going to feel like reading Latin, <laughs> going back yes. to high school, looking at a dead language sort of thing. So, <laughs> so what, do we, what do we do with that information once we have it in hand? So yeah, now you finally have your bill, the real bill that has CPT codes. And step two, you're going to take each of those codes and you're going to Google 
what Medicare pays for each of those services. You're actually, while you're Googling, you're doing two things. You're gonna plug in, and let's use an example I like to use a lot, CPT 99213, and that describes a type of outpatient office visit. You plug that in, you do an internet search, Google it, and up will pop some descriptions of that code. And what you're doing is basically just making sure it sounds roughly like the services you believe that you were provider, that you were told by your physician that you were provided. Great. And while you're there, you're going to find what Medicare pays for that CPT code for each CPT code for which you're being charged. Now, Medicare, the, the reaction I get, Joel and Matt, often is that people say, well, Medicare, that's for old people. That has nothing to do with me. And I say, well, yeah, it does, because Medicare is the lowest, most fair retail price that is paid for medical services in the United States, period. Hmm. So that's the number you're looking for. That's the fair retail price you're looking to pay. That's the price that shows you're not being overcharged. Overcharged or upcharged. For instance, let's say, you know, God forbid, you had to go into the emergency room. You're away, a couple hours away skiing, and you, you fell, broke your arm. Go to the nearest emergency room, and they're like, you know what? They did the x-rays. You're going to need this set surgically. We'll call the orthopedist closer to your home. You can go home. I'll just put you in a sling here until you can have surgery tomorrow or the day after near your home with a provider near your home or who's in network with your insurance if you have insurance. So you go, you go home, you get the surgery at the orthopedist closest to your home. And a month later, you get a bill and you from the emergency room, right, when you're on vacation, and you look at it, you're like, well, well, no, there's no CPT codes here. So you call, you finally get a real bill that has CPT codes and you plug them in. And one of the CPT codes says humeral fracture intervention. So it sounds like, well, I don't know what humerus is, but fracture, it sounds like something broken. Okay. But intervention, well, all they did was put it in a sling. N no, they didn't do an intervention. That's an upcharge. There's a CPT code, I'm sure, for a sling if they're going to charge you for that. But they need to delineate that in the CPT codes. They should not charge you for okay. a fracture intervention. The intervention you had was at your home. It was not in the emergency room. So that is getting upcharged. That's why you're going to take in step two, those CPT codes you worked so hard to get in step one, Google them, do an internet search, find out what descriptions come up, make sure it sounds roughly like the services you had to make sure you're not getting double billed or upcharged. And while you're there, find out what the lowest, most fair retail right. price for that medical service. Okay, so then you've got the procedure, you've got the price. Is step three just basically saying, hey, uh, this is what I would like to pay? Yep, Matt and Joel, you guys are always going okay. ahead. Here, you got it. <laughs> step three is calling back the provider and saying, hey, okay. yeah, you know that emergency hernia surgery I had last month? And um, I just got a bill that the first bill you guys sent was like $10,000. But in my case, I am willing and able to pay $3,000. And you don't, you're not going to share this with them. You don't have to share this with them. It's none of their business and they don't really care. But $3,000 is 
the price that you may have come up with when you've done the three steps against that medical bill. Mm -hmm. Medicare pays $3,000 for the services you were billed $10,000 for in the initial bill that was not a real bill. And you're going to say, you know what? Yeah, I can pay $3,000. And you know what? That was an emergency. Nobody's prepared for an emergency. I can only look, I tr- you can't get blood out of a stone. I've tried to turn my budget up every which way. I can only get $50 a month out of my budget to pay this. Who can I speak with who can help me set up an interest-free payment plan for this? $50 a month for this $3,000 that I'm willing and able to pay. So Matt and Joel, people also, often when I get to this point, when I shared the example of the three steps, they'll say, well, $3,000, $50 a month. Oh my gosh, even if they would accept that number, it's going to take you forever. It would take you forever to pay that. Okay, so it'll take you 60 months, five years, half a decade. And the reason why they're going to accept it, it doesn't matter how long it's going to take. That's what's in your budget. And that's what you're going to stick to. You're going to stick to your guns. And the reason why, even though you're going to get pushback, they've been trained to say, hey, you know what? We took care of you and or your loved ones during this tough time and saved your life. Yeah, you're going to get your money. Yeah, guys, you'll get your money. I just want to pay what I owe. And this is what I can pay you. And they don't have to chase you. It costs them money to chase you. It's the burden so they know they're saving money. That's why they're going to accept Hmm. You're being proactive. They don't have to chase you. And frankly, they know that their bills are not real bills to start with. That was a fake number to start with. And if they have to turn it over to collections, they're going to get pennies on the dollar. Exactly. It's not not going to be worth their time probably, right? So You hit it right on the head. Well, okay. I want to ask you this, Dr. Virgie, because you you referenced somebody who even with like, let's say a bill of $3,000, hey, I don't have the money to pay and it's going to take me forever. We can do a payment plan or something like that. But maybe that's not even the place they need to go because what about what about qualifying for financial assistance it seems like from what i've read something like 30 to 40 percent of americans given their income and their family size could qualify will qualify for financial assistance either a, a greatly reduced overall bill amount or for it to be completely forgiven is that true yes sir you got it it's true so by federal law all nonprofit institutions hospital medical service facilities medical care facilities have to offer to the folks in the communities in which they operate sliding scale income-based discounts in exchange for not paying any money in taxes not paying a dime in taxes for the hundreds of up to you know hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue so that's a big deal by federal law yes they must if they're a nonprofit mm-hmm. facility and, and the last numbers i saw about 60 65% of Hospitals, medical care facilities in the United States are nonprofits. So yes, by federal law, they have to offer that. This is the thing. Don't think that just because you have a high income that you won't qualify. So I actually had a case where the person had a really high income. Like I think her gross income salary was $150,000 a year. But her medical bill was so large, I think it was like $10,000. According to their formula for this facility, it was it happened to be an academic facility, which are by definition, usually, 
I'd say nine plus out of times out of ten, they're nonprofit. This particular facility, ten thousand dollars, one hundred fifty thousand dollar gross salary, that sliding scale income based discount wipe the whole bill away very nice but here's they're not always going to tell you that up front right so you either have to like (laughs) ask hey what is your financial assistance policy exactly guys are so sharp so by law there's a law that says they're supposed to post their practices for offering a financial aid application you can call it whatever you call you know whatever name you want to call it financial aid financial assistance charity care whatever you want to call it they have to offer everyone an application to apply for sliding scale income-based discounts. And so people think again, oh, I make too much money. And well, I went to this other hospital across town and I didn't qualify. Every hospital actually, nonprofit facility, even in the same town have different formulas. So always, always ask. So someone brought this up. Instead of doing the three steps, just ask for a uh, sliding scale income-based application. Ask for financial aid assistance application. This is the problem. If you do the math, if you're saying about 30 to 40% of medical services, meaning medical bills you're gonna get in this country, qualify for required financial aid, required Mm. federal financial aid by the government. So that means that 60% Seven, 60 to 70% of the medical bills generated in the United States do not qualify for required financial aid. So you, you want to do both. So what I usually do is, in those cases, if you know that you went to a facility that has a nonprofit facility or an academic facility, ask call their billing office and ask for a financial aid application once you get the bill then you can find out what you owe. If you have the whole thing wiped away, they don't have to bother to apply the three steps. But if there's any money left over or they don't offer financial aid or you don't qualify, then you know the three steps to make sure mm-hmm. that you are getting the, you're not, I should say, getting overcharged. You're sure. getting the, the right bill. It's a, it's a multi-pronged approach. And I think that that's a, a great way to think about it. But once you do, I mean, what, what you're talking about there, once you get the bill, let's say you've, you've kind of passed the stage where you can apply for that financial assistance, what you're talking about there is negotiating for it. And one of the things that you talk about in your book to aid within that discussion, that negotiation is uh, what you call a quote unquote battle journal, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds really intense. But I, I feel like it, it also doesn't have to be the super confrontational thing. It can even just like basically what you're doing is you're just trying to provide some organization to your thoughts. You're trying to provide some organization to discussions that you've had, who you've talked to, what date you had that discussion, what it is that you've learned. Uh, I guess I'm kind of explaining why that's, <laughs> why that's so important as well. Awesome uh, but yeah, I mean, why, why else do you need to have a record of some of your conversations? Yeah, people think that negotiating involves something that's aggressive or that you have to know fancy words or know fancy medical terms or be really, really smart. No, when you're doing the three steps, you're automatically negotiating. You're just, it's just very matter of fact. You're just going through the steps. And when you call <laughs> like, them, when surprise, you get to the third step, you're exactly, negotiating. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you don't even realize you're you know, doing it. You don't, you don't realize that, hey, I have this hard number here. They're like, okay, $50 is gonna take us forever to get our money. Can you do 100? No. <laughs> no, you can't. And let me tell you why you're going to stand your ground again. If you agree to 100, 
you're like, okay, maybe I can squeeze and stretch to 100. If you have a bad month and you can't make that $100 payment that you agreed to, they can send you to collections right away. So stick to your guns. Whatever your number that you come up with, you have to stick to it. So that's why you want to use a battle journal. And I felt kind of bad to your guys' point. I felt kind of bad calling it a battle journal. (laughs) But that's what it is. It's kind of like armor for you because you are documenting every discussion you have with them. And unfortunately, if something happens and they try to take you to collections, send you to collections, or, or God forbid, even worse, you know, bring a claim against you in court, you have documentation of who you spoke with and what was said. Okay, I want to ask you about best payment method. So, for instance, let's say you come to an agreement, you say, all right, I, I, I got the CPT codes, I push back, and now the, now the true bill, instead of $10,000, is $1,800. And I don't qualify for financial assistance, so I've got to pay it, but I also don't have $1,800. Some people will just put it on the credit card to to be done with it, paying interest for months and months and maybe even years to come, really harming their personal finances and, and their future. So how should people pay? How do you agree to pay the hospital when there is a certain amount you owe and you feel comfortable now with the final bill? How do you proceed? Yes. You do not want to put it on a credit card no matter what. And that's because once you put it on a credit card, a medical bill on a credit card, you automatically obliterate all of the federal protections, federal law, legal protections that you have to have medical debt not show up on your FICO score. So when you make an agreement, a payment plan directly with the facility, I call it, you know, dancing with the ones that brought you to the party. Keep your medical bill with the people that provided the service. You want to do that because medical bill payments or payment plans, I should say, that are made directly with the provider don't show up on your FICO score. And to your earlier point, yes, the second issue is once you put something on a credit card, if you can't make pay it all off, the interest rates, and in, 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 by the way, medical, or they call them care, credit cards are the same thing. They say, oh, well, we charge you zero interest for two years. Maybe, I think I saw one last year that has like three years of 0% interest if you make the payments and pay it all off. Well, what if you can't? If something happens and you can't, there you go. And those interest rates rack up fast. No, that makes sense. Okay, well, that's great advice. We've got a, a few more questions we want to get to with uh, with you, Dr. Virgie, including kind of where we go for help if we're stonewalled with the bureaucracy at a hospital or a medical facility. We'll get to questions about that with you right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. 
I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. We are back. We're talking with Dr. Virgie on how to avoid this crushing medical debt. And before the break, Joel alluded to this, but are there any government or nonprofit agencies that can help if we feel like we're, we're being given the runaround? If it, if it doesn't feel like that we're being given the right information, what can, what can we do about it? So if you received your care at a nonprofit hospital, there is a nonprofit organization called dollar four d-o-l-l-a-r-f-o-r dot org and they will help you work through the process of appealing essentially the decisions by this facility to not cover you lower your bill or they say that the care is this price and not the price that you in your research applying the three steps discovered with you know the medicare fair retail price so that's one organization. Okay. There, the organization that I always refer folks to that's also a nonprofit will help you with all medical bills. It doesn't matter if it was with a nonprofit hospital. And that's called the Patient Advocate Foundation. And that's patientadvocate.org. And the reason why I recommend them is because basically they do almost everything. They do everything other than up to not including going with you and representing you in court if you get taken to court by these unscrupulous, over-aggressive, predatory providers. Very nice. Now, there are some for-profit companies that will do this. They'll help negotiate bills down. And in exchange, they take 
10% usually is the going number of the amount that they save you. So I saw one case where the insurance company refused to pay the $80,000 NICU bill for twins because in their records, they said it was not an emergency. Well, when is babies being born ever not an emergency? Like right. They come, right? And they were sick. They, they needed to go to a NICU. So how is that? How is that elective? Right. Right. So anyway, the point is the couple tried to go for months in between the providers and the insurance company and just the conversation and the information and medical records weren't getting passed along. So they got tired. It's a war of attrition, guys. That's why I call it a battle journal. It's real. It's really a war of attrition. They just wore them down. And so they finally went to a for-profit company that helps resolve these issues. And so instead of paying $80,000, they paid $8,000 to the company that negotiated the bill down. Okay. Yeah, I've seen some of these popping up, and it seems like for the person who's gotten weary (laughs) fighting that bill, it might be a decent kind of last solution, right? Yeah, and I I really disagree. Now, if you're really chronically ill and you have some really big major medical issues and hospitalizations prolonged and multiple, okay, yeah. But then I would recommend, hey, reach out to just try the Patient Advocate Foundation first. But the first thing I want everybody to know is that a lot of this foolishness can be just be just just not uh, become a non-issue if you just apply the three steps. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and doc- save that eight thousand dollars. Eight thousand dollars goes a long way to a college fund. Starting a college sure. fund for twins, right? That, mm-hmm. That's a lot of money too, and we don't we don't want any how to money listeners paying any dollars more than they have to. You, you don't owe. That's yeah. my point. If you don't exactly. owe it, no. All right, you mentioned at the very beginning of your book, you say that a portion of the sales proceeds go to this nonprofit called RIP Medical Debt, which Matt and I, we've heard of. They have what, I think they've eradicated over a billion dollars, maybe? Oh, of, gosh. That was last cool. year. Just in less than a year, guys, they've gone from over a billion dollars to over seven billion with a B dollars. Wow. And Holy medical cow. bills eradicated for folks facing bankruptcy awesome. from these medical bills. And these are awesome, all- right? These are all medical bills that have gone to collections, and yes. then and then RIP Medical Debt is saying, "Listen, for pennies on the dollar, we're going to eradicate this on behalf of people." So uh, it, it feels like it should be something that's unnecessary uh, in a country like ours, but sadly, it's necessary. But I'm also I think it's great that what you're doing with part of the proceeds of your book is is going to help ensure that their work continues to to you know continue continues to make waves out in the world. So for every book that sold, $1 goes to RIP medical debt, which eradicates $100 in medical bills for someone facing bankruptcy from bills, medical bills that have gone to collections. Very cool. We love that. We love that, that that is a part of your mission, Dr. Virgie. And we haven't even gotten to everything, obviously, that you cover in your book. right? And so we will link to where it is uh, that folks can purchase your book. And actually, can you tell us where it is that folks can learn more about you? Sure. Well, first, why don't you just like have me come back? Let's just do a part two. <laughs> we can all do that. You guys. <laughs> that sounds but good. But if you want to find out more, crushmedicaldebt.com is the place to start. And I like to send people to crushmedicaldebt.com slash free dash resources, or just go to crushmedicaldebt.com and the free resources is on the top of the nav bar there. And the reason is I 
direct folks there because that's where you can find a refresher, a checklist of the three steps of the only right way to pay every medical bill. So, you know, some people say, you know what, I really don't even want to spend money on a book. I've just, things are just so tight. I just know. So go to crushmedicaldebt.com, get this information for free, the three steps of the only right way to pay a medical bill. And I'd say eight to nine times out of 10, you just eradicate the foolishness that unfortunately predatory billing tries to inflict on folks and make us victims of the system. Dr. Virgie, we love what you're doing out there. You're making a difference. And thank you so much for, for joining us on the show today. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me, guys. I love talking with you. And thank you for what you guys do. You're doing awesome stuff, helping folks master their money. Oh, well, thank you. Like we're, You're we too kind. Similar missions, I think. Like-minded, for sure. Yeah. Mutual Admiration Society. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again. All right. Take care, guys. Uh, Matt, always good to have a swell conversation. There's so much, so much nuance in this topic of pushing back against, you know, unethical medical billing is sure. is one thing, or maybe just er- an error prone industry as on top of that. And there's there's a lot we need to know as individuals yeah, to, she, to fight back. She mentioned how they never make mistakes in your favor, right? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't like, that amazing? So if you are out there and you're thinking oh, I don't think I want to check in because what if I'm actually going to owe them more money? That's right. highly highly unlikely. It's never like that, <laughs> that community chest of Monopoly, right? Bank error in your favor. <laughs> exactly. Here's 150 bucks. That's not going to happen. No. Uh, but yeah, what was your big takeaway from our conversation with Dr. Virgie? Okay, I think my big takeaway was to, to use technology to your advantage. Mm-hmm. And she was talking about, well, one, just pushing back, getting those, uh, those CPT codes. But on top of that, she was saying, use Google. Right, and Google can help you not only figure out what those codes mean, because it's like a foreign language, but on top of that, you can figure out well, what does Medicare pay the these medical facilities right. for those codes for those services, and without the internet and Google at your service, man, this I'm, this must have been so much harder uh, back in the day. I think it was probably impossible. Yeah, yeah. So it's nice <laughs> back in the day. Nice to know that you got technology on your side. There's a lot of information out there. It's not. It's not necessarily right there in front of your face. You have to dig a little bit, but a little bit of digging can save you a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And that's important information to know. And so you were talking about figuring out what it is that Medicare pays. I guess my big takeaway is going to be related to that because... Obviously, it's not that you're trying to get out from paying a bill where a hospital or a doctor took care of you and provided you a good service. You just want to, in what she said, and I wrote this down, but you want to be able to pay the fair retail value. Mm -hmm. And you know what? If the government, if they're the ones saying that, oh, this is a fair price, well, I want that to be a fair price for me as well. (laughs) Like I don't want to have to pay some marked up rate. And so it's not that you're trying to pull one on the hospital or the doctor or the clinic or wherever. It's just about making sure that you're not getting ripped off. And so I guess it's not just about having the tools and using the technology and figuring out the CPT codes, but it's not GPT, by the way. (laughs) We're not talking about chat chat CPT. So somebody should make a, a tool that's chat CPT. Oh, my guess is where, AI can help you push back on some of this. Yeah, yeah. I bet so. Uh, so it's not just about the tools. It's also the mindset and how it is that you are looking to approach some of these conversations and some of these negotiations. Because if you are af- not afraid, but if you're kind of timid about how it is you're 
talking to these medical providers, you're, you may not negotiate as well. If you're, if you're thinking, well, they, when, they you, did fix me. Yeah, you might think, <laughs> oh, I got good service. The doctors and the nurses were great. Like, I guess I have to pay what I owe. But you should as opposed divorce to, those two mm, things. Be yeah, thankful absolutely. for the great service, but then push back against the bill that's out of line. And there are you know, specific lines in the sand that you can draw based on the information you can get from the internet from just a little bit of research. So you don't have to feel bad pushing back, especially because these nonprofit hospitals in particular have a, a lot of discretion, have a lot of ability to offer forgiveness and actually legally are required to. So Yeah, well, she was saying that that's another gr- great point that I I guess I'd never really thought about it, but that they are required to offer uh, what the an income-based repayment yeah. plan. Oh my gosh, that's also some excellent information to have on hand. Like these are all things that should help you to think, oh no, I... I don't want to say that you are owed a discount or that you deserve a discount, but that is 100% an option, yeah. especially if you're like, wait a minute, I get taxed on what I earn. The hospital doesn't. Well, so push back say, a little bit. I've done this before too. And before I knew that this is the reason why it was forgiven. Yep, just because I want to save money, like pay less money. <laughs> I was like naive, but just kind of persistent. <laughs> and, and having looked back on those days, I'm like, man, it, it's just interesting. I've probably paid other medical bills that I didn't need to. And I don't want other people to go through that. I want people to be able to know their rights, know how they can push back and get their bills either reduced or forgiven and fight back against a system that is is really seeking to part them from their money. Yeah, to feel empowered and motivated mm-hmm. to do it as well. Yeah, that's right, man. Uh, all right. The beer that you and I, we both each enjoyed a Paso Fino Porter. This is a beer by Horsefly Brewing Company out of uh, Montrose, is it Montrose? I don't know. It's, it's one word, but it's M-O. It's Montrose, but just one word. <laughs> Colorado. But this is a beer from Mark and Caitlin. And so so they actually live in North Carolina, and they embarked on this, he said, 8,600-mile road trip that included a couple days. Nice. Uh, I guess that's a, a favorite spot of well, theirs. Every road trip needs to involve a craft brewery, or it's not officially a road trip. Yeah. Sorry, you just drove your car around the country, right? <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> you got to have disc golf, I think, and craft beer involved. But yeah, big thanks to- Some hiking. To, that's, uh, yeah, yeah, that's got to be in there, too. Yeah, yeah. Mark and Caitlin, big thanks to y'all. And yeah, this beer was, it reminded me of like did, a- Did you a, dig it? A semi-sweet chocolate chip, where it was oh, yeah. a little bit bitter, a little bit sweet, and not too heavy, right? So I, I, I love a good- Porter and not too heavy, yeah. not too sweet, which is kind of exactly what you want on a warmer summer day like we're experiencing now, right? Yeah, so you get not, that. It's not stout weather yet. No, but, yeah. But we can do porters. If you want some of that roasty flavor, then that's when you should be looking to something like a porter um, where you've got those darker flavors without the body that weighs you down. That feels like it should, you know, it's, it's almost like a blanket. You want a nice heavy blanket in the winter. That's also how I feel about bigger stouts. If you do want some of that flavor here in these warmer months, that's when you opt for that porter. Yeah, the big stouts are December through February. Yeah. That's, that's what those are <laughs> Absolutely. For. Yeah. But but then again, you know, we'll probably end up with a, some giant stout in like two weeks while, while it's still warm. You never know. <laughs> we are equal opportunity drinkers. But that, that'll be the that'll be it for this episode. We'll have links to some of the, the free resources that Dr. Burgi mentioned up in our show notes at howtomoney.com and a link to her book too. So you can check that out. Yeah, specifically the patientadvocate.org. That sounded like an incredible, incredible site. For so sure. You can find all that up there. But buddy, that's going to be it for this one. So until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out.
Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.